Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Six pounds, pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her in toaster. Oh, okay. We got this email. I figured it had something to do with the email. Hey, Joy and Summer. Um, oh, okay. Well, I want to preface this and say when I read the emails or messages today, I'm not going to be giving anybody's names because they didn't tell me. Right. Tell everyone who listens to Sheologians that I, this is my this thing. This is what I said. So I'm just going to make up names for everybody. This is not her real name. Hey, Joy and Summer. I love listening to your podcast. I wanted to let Summer know that when I heard her say that she doesn't have a toaster, I immediately thought, what kind of psycho doesn't have or use a toaster? I did decide to try her way of making toast, and I have to say, it is so much better than toast made in the toaster. Thanks for the idea and love the show. <laughs> I just felt very um, excited to let people know about the fact that the to- non-toast toasters actually suck. And if you just make what Janny calls cooked bread, which is put but which it, is toast, which is toast, but you put the butter in the pan and cook it in the pan, it's mm-hmm. just better. It's just better. Yeah, I mean, I guess were people really having toast before toasters were around? Yeah. Like, we call it toast because it comes out of a toaster, toaster. right? No, but the toaster's called a toaster because it's supposed to toast Right. the toast. But were people calling it toast before? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Or was it just like bread, cooked bread? That's what Janie calls it. She says, can I have cooked bread when she wants me to make toast? Uh, what I mean, when did sa- I mean, I feel like also toasters pretty much only fit sandwich bread, right? Which is not the best bread. And well, and I would imagine that's a fi- somewhat of a modern that's, imagining of bread. That's true. I once read that sliced bread was younger than Betty White, but she died recently. My grandma's name was Betty White. I know. <laughs> I always think about that. <laughs> there was a a man that my grandparents took in. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a ex-convict and uh, my grandma basically she saw this drawing of a hummingbird on some stationery and she tracked down who did the drawing and it turned out it was a felon in Tucson in right. prison and so she went to Tucson to visit this felon in prison and then they became best friends and then when he got out of prison he moved in with my grandparents anyway his name was James Bond Oh, that's right. I'm sitting here trying to remember his name. I'm like, I remember he had like a weird. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. James Bond. <laughs> he was a six foot two black man named James Bond. And my grandma was five foot flat, tiny, mm-hmm. really blue haired old lady. And so when they would go like to the grocery store or to the bank or whatever and give their names to people, people would think that they were joking. And they were just such an odd pair. Right. Like Betty White and James Bond. Where'd you guys meet? I went to visit him in jail. (laughs) Uh, No, not jail. Prison. Prison. (laughs) And then I took him home. (laughs) He became a Christian. He was like... 
yeah a deacon he was in their like a church. part of your family he's part of my family there's no, i don't remember a time when james bond wasn't around but anyway but what a pair yeah i feel like if someone you know in the right circles had heard that that would have spurred on some kind of james bond betty white something like, they were hilarious mashup. they were hilarious they really were they were and i mean he was like just a little bit older than my dad so she he was a son to her right. and whatever anyway if you draw a really good hummingbird, some old lady might track you down. Might adopt you. <laughs> which might be good. I mean, you might really need it. It could maybe be the best thing that ever happened to you. <laughs> She's a very interesting person. But yeah. Um, I have we, it just the painting thing reminded me. My mm. husband has a student that makes these little like postcard sized watercolor paintings. And she sent a few of them and just always says so like. So cool. Have a lovely year and just uh, homeschool students, you guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's had a few students that are that have like invited us to weddings and they were far away and we just couldn't, right. you know. Yeah. But just the most pleasant. Right. And I say kids, but they're so um, mature, nice to talk to yeah. that it doesn't even mm-hmm. it would probably be even like a little insulting to call them a kids yeah but i and well i was thinking about that even just that's not that's very normal in our world Mm -hmm. um but maybe not for everyone when you don't segregate kids yeah they end up being able to interact in a way that right and they'll just talk to you or any yeah anyone that i Mm -hmm. all of my friends that have kids we just you know talk we have Mm -hmm. conversations either they Mm -hmm they'll start the conversation or yeah it's just normal they're not weirded out by adults well and georgia will just talk to anyone whoever i love it so it's great yeah don't segregate your kids if you can avoid it i remember when i went to moscow idaho i remember (laughs) not russia no (laughs) all the kids i interacted with there were just like the most pleasant polite it was just it was a great experience i don't yeah. know you can tell when the parents pour into the kids anyway and well, i'm and they sure like... they all make great toast for their kids that's part <laughs> of it none of them use toasters we also go um, i know <laughs> the the boys at our church have a very uh special talent of playing football in the big grassy area in front of the church and there's like little toddler girls like running around and somehow they manage to play around them these like rough games but just like always around and like never no one's getting i don't know i love it it's a special it's wonderful it's special well here we are you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475 i use rod and staff as my homeschool curriculum and uh we want to encourage you to join book club we are starting back up after a little break And we are going to be reading The Pastor's Wife. And I want to say, if you just Google The Pastor's Wife, you are not going to find the book. Um, Because I was looking into, (laughs) like, where are people going to buy this? Um, And you're going to have a really hard time. So... The book that we're reading is called The Pastor's Wife. It's by Sabina Wormbrand. This is Mm -hmm. Richard Wormbrand's wife. Wife. Uh, What I discovered is you can read it free online, by the way. 
Um, oh, okay. Like a PDF or something? There's a PDF online. So if you search the pastor's wife Sabina Wormbrand, the first thing that pops up is the PDF. You can also obviously buy a copy. Um, there's a Kindle edition. You can get it on Overdrive. You can get it on Internet Archive. You can find it. But don't just Google the pastor's wife. There's a lot of actually really weird books that pop up yeah, if you Google that. Yeah, I was going to say. So I just want to warn you guys... Away from that, put in Sabina Wormbrand, W-U-R-M-B-R-A-N-D. Um, and we are starting that up this week on February 8th. You don't have to have anything read before February 8th. Just come and get adjusted and meet the group. And we've got a really good group of ladies that normally join us. But you should order your book. Yes. Um, if this is the first time you've heard us give that update, order your book. and Yes. And um, we meet at patreon.com slash theologians. Or I guess the PDF helps. Like even if you order yeah. your book and it's not going to get there on time. It's okay. Because you can for... read it free online. And I'm assuming if you're listening to us, you have a Wi-Fi connection <laughs> or some other such thing. Anyway, <laughs> so join book club. It's a good time. We meet Wednesdays at 1.30 Pacific time. And we'll see you guys there. Okay. It's a mailbag episode. I wanted to, we we get so many emails and I can't respond to all of them. And we get so many voicemails and those are fun. Um, so I just wanted to bring a couple to answer because I thought they'd be a good discussion. Yeah. Um, I did have a request. Oh, I forgot to name the last person. I forgot to give her a fake name. All right. Well, the last email is from Betty White. There we go. This email, I don't know who this is from. Uh, note for the podcast, please remember to give an update about whether or not you still like 11 p.m. salami with pickles and mustard sandwiches oh. now that you've given birth. Also, fun fact, when you're pregnant, you become genetically 10% not what you were before having children. What? I need to look into that. I'm trying to wrap my brain around that. That email was from Penelope's snod bottom. Oh, <laughs> Thank you, Penelope. I absolutely hate salami, pickle, mustard sandwiches. I don't want one. The idea of oh. eating one makes me want to barf. It sounds delicious to me, but it always did. It sounds terrible. So now you've whatever that, that was. was ransom. That was ransom. Ransom once. Right. <laughs> whatever that is. Again, um, showstopper. Have not had one. He's a showstopper for sure. What about a sandwich? Like, are you still like 11 rolls around and you're like, hmm, maybe some bread, maybe some 11 rolls around. And if I'm not asleep, I'm crying. Right. So, no, 11 is not my hour. Tear sandwich. <laughs> Tears. If I'm eating at 11 p.m., something is wrong. <laughs> something horrible is happening. Yeah. Um, now at night. Well, I've just been working on my sourdough. So if I get hungry, I'm eating beef jerky or sourdough. Mm, That's what I'm both eating. Good options. Yeah. Uh, I've been working really hard on my sourdough. I finally made a loaf with a ton of holes yesterday. Yeah, I saw that picture. It, it was the great. first time. You know what was weird, though, was that it smelled and tasted like cinnamon raisin bread. Oh. This was a... Multiple people had this reaction to the bread without being told. Hmm. So how on earth I made my just plain sourdough smell and taste like cinnamon raisin? Interesting. Totally beyond me. I don't love that. Was there like... 
did someone like sprinkle some cinnamon near <laughs> and no. like taint the <laughs> you would think i mean it was huh. very sweet it was sweet interesting and it had a very distinct flavor and um i wasn't a huge fan i'm gonna try rye tonight oh okay I'm do a rye sourdough i like rye bread i'm looking forward to it it's good i'm a little scared but I think it's going to be fine. See, I feel like rye would go really well with a pickle, mustard, salami type situation. I hate all of those things. <laughs> it's crazy how much salami I went through last year and how I could not bring myself and then to just purchase like, it now. None. None. I don't want it. Whoever watches your spending habits is like, what, what happened? What happened? Who, who died in the family? <laughs> I mean, or they were like, well, she's pregnant. <laughs> well... The salami eater only eats milk right now, so that's <laughs> where we're at with that. Yeah, we'll have to we'll we'll try to remember to give you an update when he's yeah. eating <laughs> when sandwiches. He's eating, yeah, what kind of sandwich <laughs> does he eat? Okay, this is an email I've wanted to address for a long time because I read it a long time ago. I didn't have a chance to respond. Listen up, Leslie. Nope. Because that's your name right now. She's emailed and said... Oh, she listens, huh? <laughs> yeah. I have listened to pretty much all the Sheologians episode after the past year. Well, And yet somehow I'm just hearing the Scattershot episode from forever ago where you guys explain the intro music. And I'm not going to lie. I'm a little disappointed. I don't know if that's the right word. In my head, I had this whole thing, which I guess I must have just imagined where the, have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying. We're not only just a backhanded reference to the fact that you guys talk a lot about feminism, but also had a symbolic meaning related to the consumption of scripture and Christian content to satisfy your appetite rather than consuming garbage, the garbage entertainment of the world. Um, let's see. Uh, b -b -b she went on for a while. I appreciate it. Leslie. Nope. She said, I don't know if I just made that up or if that came later. I'm forgetting it, but I do feel strongly that we need Christians producing good content. And I hope, <laughs> I hope that the meaningful, deep content of your intro was not just a figment of my imagination. I love your podcast either way. <laughs> okay. Listen, I don't remember what we said in the scattershot episode about our intro. Exactly. But it's not completely unrelated to everything that we talk about, right? Well, and so just so you know. What did we say? I don't know what we said. <laughs> I don't remember what we said the last episode. We Well, mm, no, there was a few memorable things. <laughs> Those of you who are listening to this are like, we remember. We know. We know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> um, uh, are that... Our intro was, well, so when we finally, I think we were trying to come up with something more creative than Sheologians. Yeah, that was just the name that someone threw out. Right. And then we just never. And then I, st <laughs> well, and I started t to be okay with that as long as we could like make, make fun, fun of, of it, it a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that was when I was like, we should have like a metal screech. <laughs> Sheologians. Um, so that was, that was on our side. But mm -hmm. Marcus put together that intro. I don't think it's completely not tied to feminism and just kind of making fun of that whole. I mean, the Coke right. ad, you know, like we we were kind of riffing off that, but it wasn't. I don't know. You guys, we didn't expect to be doing this. Have you had <laughs> your soup today? That kind of became a thing. Yeah, that's our Instagram handle. Right, yeah. Have you had your soup today? But it, I couldn't make soup back then. It really was a riff, <laughs> but it was, I mean, Marcus did it. 
our, right. pr- our producer he at just the time found did some it. like funny sort of yeah like 1950s ad type I just listen up Leslie Nope I don't want you to stay disappointed is the moral of the story it's not that it's completely I don't remember what I said but I think you know you took it too far <laughs> whatever I said <laughs> Tell me what I said. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what did I right. say? I don't know. Would we ever change our intro? I don't think no. there's a reason for that. Why right? would we do that? People are really, some podcasts are really into their intro being a certain thing. And I just And like don't. kind of updating and stuff like that. No. But no. ours is old. It's old ads. It's old ads. So, so there's no, <laughs> why would we change it? No. Okay. Um, this one's for you, Joy. After listening to your kitchen sink episode, not only do I agree with Joy's woes of having to pay for apartment garbage valet services, but I wanted to share that the man who collects my trash does it on roller skates. <gasps> roller skates. Oh, Guys, this wow. man comes flying up to the garbage cans and grabs the bags out of them and then throws them into his giant garbage collecting thing and Uh pushes it around on his roller skates. I look forward to my ring camera alerts of him getting the garbage and I'm disappointed when it's not him and someone who just, you know, walks. Yeah. That's from Ashley Snodgrass. Did I already have a Snodgrass? Yeah. (laughs) We have a family of emailers. (laughs) The illustrious Snodgrasses. All of these emails are from Snodgrasses. (laughs) The Snodgrass mm. Institute. Um, Roller skates. Wow. I See, just loved that story. I, the, we're on the second floor. So like I instantly just <laughs> think of all that could go wrong. Um, and yet somehow I feel like if you were, if you've already committed to wearing roller skates, you would just make it work. You're, You're like, yes, I know how to take 14 stairs. I know no. how to jump down 14 stairs your, and roller skates. The stairs to your apartment scare me. Yeah. They are so Because they're made of concrete. And they're concrete. Yeah. And they're just, they're really scary. I don't like, yeah. I couldn't. I barely handle them in shoes. Yeah. <laughs> is how I feel about I your stairs. I know. Roller skates. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you know. Talent. You can either be a boring garbage guy or a garbage guy with some pizzazz. <laughs> Might as well be pizzazzy. Seriously. Think of Sonic. Anyway. Yeah. I had a friend that she got a job at Sonic and she was like, I, because I, the, the people who were on roller skates made more money per hour. Right. That like earned you a little, little boost uptick. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, she was just not meant for roller skates. <laughs> like she, you know, they're just yeah. those people that are like, I'm just standing there and I fall over. Yes. That kind of thing. Yeah. So we really tried and she really did try. And I think Sonic was like, we can't like (laughs) for liability reasons, we can no longer allow you (laughs) to do this, (laughs) to be on roller skates at this place of work. (laughs) I feel like skating now. I haven't done that in a while. That became, I think a little bit of a trend Mm -hmm. during the COVID era. Skating People again. got really into roller skating. Yeah, and something you could do outside. You like wear cute. Well, I think a lot of girls were like, I'm going to get me a pair of roller skates and some cute shorts. And then they were like, oh, I don't know how to roller skate very well. <laughs> what a shame. Uh, <laughs> or like, 
I live in San Francisco. Who on their, <laughs> who in their right mind would want to live in a hilly place? Okay. And roller skate. So I'm going to tell you this story. So when I was growing up, my cousin lived in a community right outside of Sacramento called Rancho Marietta. And it was full of hills. And this was my skating era. I was actually, I never roller skated. I roller bladed. Right. That you was were a blader. I, I was, was a blader. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. iPhone, Android. Yep. Anyway. Um, so we were skating around Rancho Marietta and we were coming to a hill that I was like really excited to go down because it, I mean, it was really hilly. Like, in my brain, San Francisco hilly. When you're young, that's I was eight. fun. Yeah. That's like... <laughs> I mean, I was eight. So, right. you know. And I was good on rollerblades. I was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. I rollerbladed. You know, it was like I came home from school. I put my blades on. I came back in for dinner hours later. That was what I did. Part of it is the confidence. Like, yeah. <laughs> hesitating is what gets you hurt. It, yes. But if you can just, like, take that hill, it's like, yeah. You're fine. Probably okay. You're fine. So... We come up to this hill and I was like, I'm going down. See you guys at the bottom. Like I'm going and I'm tucked in because this is a large hill and I'm enjoying Mm -hmm. this. The wind whipping my face. It's not Phoenix hot. You know, it's nice. Well, this is I'm about a quarter way down the hill when I realize that someone at the bottom of the hill is doing some sort of like plumbing or construction. And there is a large three to five inch round cord going across the road. And it looks huge. It's, I can see it. I can see it. I can see it from where I'm at. And so I'm like, okay, I am going so fast that stepping over this thing, not a possibility, but also stopping before I get there because this hill is so steep, not a possibility, but there was a van (laughs) parked right next to Okay. The cord. <laughs> and in my eight-year-old brain, I was like, the fan will stop me. Oh. Hmm. I think they call that something else when the van is moving. The van wasn't moving. It's was parked. Right. But like what I'm saying is like the physics are the same <laughs> when a person is standing still and the van hits them. Well, you call it hitting someone with your car. <laughs> Well, my plan was <laughs> to hit the van with myself. Right. Okay. <laughs> Which is exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. I so went... you have been hit by a van. You just were the one. You were the propelling force. Um, I bounced. I mean, I flew. I hit the back of the van. Yeah. And I flew backwards. And... It hurt very badly, but I was eight. And so you were fine. So I literally bounced off the fan. Right. And it sounded so, it was, the impact was so loud. <laughs> that the owner of the fan. Yeah. Yep. Now that I'm an adult, I can actually, I can put myself into the owner of the van's <laughs> p- like perspective. Um, 
<laughs> I was in shock by how much it hurt. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> because I didn't expect that. And then um, my cousin and my brother came. They were riding bikes and they like were right behind me. And they came up and they helped me up. And they're like, are you okay? And, you know, my eyes were watering because I think mostly because I was so embarrassed. Right. I never could have imagined telling the story willfully. <laughs> To thousands of people later on in life. Yeah, it just goes to show you that if you ever think <laughs> you can never repeat something, just give it a, approximately 20 years. Something like that. You may tell it. You may tell the story. Um, I'm just impressed that I survived and I was fine, actually. Yeah, that's really... If I did that now, I would oh. be hospitalized. <laughs> hospitalized. I mean, I might never come back. <laughs> like, broken legs, arms, collarbone... But um, I, I, I feel like it's just if now if you started going down a hill in on rollerblades, <laughs> someone would stop you before and be like, ma'am, what are you doing? What are you doing? Please stop. This is a you nice children. community. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what you're up to, but people don't do things like that here. All you right. need to find you a nice adult hobby. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Like climbing. <laughs> right. Yes. That's my hobby. No, it's not. Okay. Um, This is another brief one. Uh, I was listening to one of your episodes. This is from... Uh, this is, I need a name. This is from uh, Blind Dog Coffee Roasters. <laughs> I was listening to one of your episodes a few weeks ago where you talked about your baby shower and how you asked each person to bring a cloth diaper instead of other gifts. I thought that was a great idea. Um. We are in the process of an emergency adoption. That's exciting. I mean, it's got to be done by now. Wow. Would you be able to share which brand of cloth diapers you recommend? I can't find the episode where you talked about it. Um, Man. So cloth, this is not, the reason I brought this up is this is not the only email I got asking for what brand I use. I don't use a single brand. Um, I really like the Mama Koala brand and the Little Alaskans and the Bum Geniuses. But you got to find what works for you with cloth diapers. And you know what? You might hate it. You might love it. But you might hate it. I, yeah, I feel like a lot of people have brands they like for certain things, too, or certain ages. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little bit trial and error, I think. Yeah. And every baby is different. I do. You should get the ones that grow with your baby. So you're not having to, like, buy new sizes. Right. You can just resize them with the buttons and the snaps. Um, But. Those are the three brands I like, and uh, I hope your adoption went fantastic. Seriously. I hope everything's great. What an exciting, awesome emergency to have. I know, right? (laughs) That's a great emergency. Okay. I do actually have two questions here that are theological in nature, and I thought were... I mean, these could be topics in and of themselves, but... Okay. Okay. Um, Let's see. How much... There was some intro here, but here's her question. How much should we be consuming and digesting the words and ideas in podcasts, YouTube, fill in the blank here, versus discussing and learning these things with our church members and families like you and Joy are actually doing when you record the podcast? (laughs) What is discipleship within the church supposed to look like? What is it supposed to produce? It seems like an easy ditch to fall into just sharing someone else's opinions and spiritual ideas slash conviction. So she's talking about just, you know, a lot of 
us, we tend to con- will consume theological material through the internet. And she's th- wanting to think through how much should we be doing that versus within the church body itself? Um, what's the line there we're thinking about? Um, is there danger in that? Et cetera, huh. et cetera. So my initial thought was that we are super blessed and we should look at it as a blessing to live in a time when so much theological material is available. Like that is so, it's really cool. I think about just, you know, if you want to read a book on a topic, you can probably find a Christian who's written a solid book on fill in the blank and that's really cool and there's so many podcasts that you can listen to and that's really cool and I have a friend who's constantly sharing great sermons with me just like here's this great sermon and that is really cool you could spend your entire week that you're not in church listening to sermons listening to great worship music it's all available at your fingertips and that is a blessing but I think what she's talking about is there's also a part of it that could be very dangerous where if that's all that you're doing and you're not actually busy in your local church and fighting side by side, learning side by side with other Christians, nothing you get on the internet can take its place. Right. Right. And it definitely doesn't, uh, it's not going to, I think like maybe the back and forth is going to sharpen you. Mm a little bit more or cause you to think Mm -hmm. like when you're in a conversation Mm -hmm. in, in in-person fellowship, yeah, you're going to, you are going to have to respond instead of just like consuming, you'll have to go back and forth and like provide something to the conversation too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that being said, I think doing a lot of both is totally okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I would I guess I would venture to say that if you if you're regularly engaged in fellowship within the church body like you have people over mm-hmm. um to eat after church on Sunday or you um have like a midweek group that you mm-hmm. meet with and eat with mm-hmm. every week or maybe just like a couple right or a family in your church that you meet and eat with every week um, and you're not ever having any like theological conversation, I think mm. you're probably missing out on some good conversation. It kind of depends on the person though. <laughs> I do think, yeah. I do think sometimes there is a, um, I think sometimes people, I think enough people have brought up conversations in fellowship settings maybe with not such great motives that some people are like, well, wouldn't we all just have a better time if we didn't talk about this topic? <laughs> um, <laughs> I've definitely been in a few of those situations where I'm like, I don't really know if this conversation was about the edification of the body. I think it was more about like what kind of controversial thing I can say. And, and then I'm going to like dig deep and double down mm-hmm. if, anyone brings up a good point right um but i mean even that 
right. even that you have to learn how to respond to people that are like you have to learn how to respond to troublemakers right um but yeah i i think you're probably missing something if you never have the opportunity to do that or if you're never I don't like I'm trying to think about like one of my favorite things to do is just like you and I do it all the time. I have like basically me and my best friends. It's just an extended conversation about like how the Lord's working in our lives. Mm -hmm. What have I been thinking about? Like, how am I? And when I say what have I been thinking about? Like, how am I growing? Like, what am I being challenged in? What what did I what like finally clicked for me or whatever? Um, And I don't I mean, like I said, those are the. not that you have not that I have to have that to be friends with someone, but some of my like best friendships are that based off of that. Right. Um, so I would say that maybe if you're leaning too much towards just mm-hmm. the consumption of like digital media content, then you might you might even be missing out on like just friendship, even right. not even just like basic right church fellowship. But mm-hmm. well, and I just I think that her question, what is discipleship within the church supposed to look like? For me, it comes down to exactly that. There is no such thing as what my dad calls a a healthy lone wolf Christian, right? So there is no Christian who purposefully puts themselves outside of community that is going to stay healthy. Right. Right. That is not normative for the Christian. What should be normative for the Christian is being a part of the local body, right? That's it's very important. Paul talks about the necessity of it. Um, we're not supposed to neglect the gathering. Um, and if you are intentionally like, uh, I'll go to church on Sunday, but you know, Monday through Saturday is my own kind of thing. That that's podcast days. Right. (laughs) That is not, that's not being, I think we have a duty to be healthy, active members in our churches. And you don't, you cannot supplant any of that with enough sermons that you listen to on YouTube. And I say all that again, I firmly, very staunchly believe that having books written by Christians and being able to listen to sermons, this is all a really great blessing, but because we're human, we can turn those blessings into curses to ourselves right, yeah. um, where we convince ourselves like, oh, I, I'm doing fine spiritually because I read four Desiring God articles this week. Or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I read my devotional. So none of none of them were about the sin I happen to quietly struggle <laughs> with. But right. Um, so what does discipleship produce? Discipleship and being a healthy member of the body produces sanctified believers. And the local church is supposed to be um, something that you are busy in and that's going to look different in different seasons. It's going to look different um, based on your age. You know, are you married? Are you single? What are, you know, you could be in a time where you're mostly just at home with your kids. That's okay too. That's the church needs that as well. Um, But I just think if you are consuming online content to the detriment of 
that you have a problem. But I also think it'd just be so silly. I mean, who? no one is out there making the argument like, it's so, you know, enjoy your own pastor. Why are you reading the Puritans? And it's like, well, yes, you should listen to your pastor. But like, it can be a huge blessing to read the Puritans too. Like, I don't have anything against that. Right. You know, people will do this thing on Twitter where they're like, oh, celebrity pastors. Duh, duh, duh. What about your own, all the faithful pastors that you guys don't care about? And it's like, well, can't can't we be thankful for both? Like, I'm thankful for Charles Spurgeon. He thank you for insinuating that, like, <laughs> thank you for creating this hypothetical person and then calling me that person. Right. Like, this hypothetical right. person who just worships a celebrity. It's like, does that person exist? Like, we do that all the time. We do. We assume that, you know, there's just so many people out there praising and adoring, you know, Paul Washer, but they don't care about their own pastor. And it's like, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with listening to a Paul Washer sermon in your own time. If it's biblical like, and you know, I don't encouraging. I, I think uh, sometimes we just want to find something to be upset about. I think that's totally <laughs> true. <laughs> like, listen, enjoy your podcasts, enjoy your sermons, and be an active member in your local church, and then move on. Like, well, and I, I guess that's the thing. That's what we're we're suggesting a mixture of those things. And so you might, you might be the person we're talking about if you are like staunchly opposed to one versus the other. Yeah. Like I would say there's a problem if you're like, I don't engage in a local body. I can get everything that I need from <laughs> sermons and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and then vice versa. Like, mm-hmm. you know. I don't. Yeah. I will only listen to people that are a part of my church. If you're a Christian outside of my church, I want none of it. Right. Like that's If weird. I've not met you in person, don't. I will not listen. <laughs> yeah. It's just weird. It just, yeah. <laughs> don't create a, there's no, if there's no problem. Don't make There's one. no problem. So some of us like to do that. I guess I kind of touched on that a little, but those are the, if you're, if you're that way. Or if you always have complaints about your church or if you always have complaints about the the stuff that other people are consuming, like you probably need to be disciple in discipleship settings more, honestly. Right. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's a good it's it's good. Don't it's be good imbalanced, thing. I think. Yeah. This is the moral yes. story. OK, um, thank you for the email. Edith Snodgrass. OK, Um <laughs> I'm a homeschool mom with four kids. We spend a good amount of time with other homeschool families. From time to time, there's a conflict among the kids or there's poor behavior that needs correcting. I personally discipline my children in in private. And then she gives her reason, her reasons for doing that, which, okay, they're great reasons. Um, Basically, her question was, when we are dealing with our kids in a setting where they are being there's conflict or they need to be corrected. When do you correct in front of a room full of people or in private? I think it depends on the type of correction. Mm -hmm. I think if you're warning them or giving them, if you're like, if you're being gracious and just, and saying like, Oh, like I'm noticing this thing. I think it's okay to just do a quick little verbal. Mm hmm. Like, hey, make sure we're all having fun and Uh you're not just focused on making everyone do what you want. 
mm-hmm. or hey you're being a little bossy please stop mm-hmm. um but i think like mm-hmm. if the, if what they did requires a spanking mm-hmm. i i think it should be private for many reasons but the first one being that if you're spanking them you should be there should be discipleship happening with that and that means you you do need to kind of be able to talk to them and have their attention and yeah um so i think there's you know it just kind of i guess it just depends on what you're yeah what kind of correction you're yeah doing i think the greater con i totally agree with that i think the greater context of her question if i can read between the lines dear Abigail Snodgrass. Um, Abby. Uh, Abby. Gail or Gail, maybe. Or Gail. She's a Gail. She's a Gail. Okay. <laughs> Is um, that when you're in community with other parents raising kids and they maybe address their children differently than you would, okay. um, how do you how do you maneuver those ah. those moments I think is what okay. the question is because um, she said you know we spend a good amount of time with other homeschool families uh-huh. um, so this is a you've heard Joy and I say it many times and um, I think that a lot of times this is a mind your own business conversation um, obviously if you witness your friend just stepping so far out of line. I think you can lovingly approach your friend. Yeah. In a way that will mutually benefit you both on your way towards heaven. Yes. <laughs> um, but in general, when I witness someone disciplining their kid in a way that I wouldn't, my first thought is I'm going to mind my own business. Yeah. Because a, first of all, this I just assume the best of my friends, especially when I they're Christians and I trust them in general. Mm-hmm. I assume they know their child more than I do. Yeah. They have a history with their child that I do not. I do not live with this child. Right. I don't, you know, I haven't seen the whole story. But I think in general, when we deal with our kids, something that a lot of us moms can forget is just that we are dealing with little people and we should deal yeah. with them the way that we want to be dealt with. So I don't ever want to have someone come to me and be like, I heard X, you did X, Y, and Z. So this is how I'm going to deal with you without me ever getting to tell my side of the story. Right. right? So Proverbs tells us that whoever tells the story first sounds right until someone comes and examines him. So there's two sides to every story. When we're dealing with little kids, I bet if, if there's a conflict between your kid and someone else's kid, there's probably two sides to the story. Right. And we should not treat the little kids like that's not true just because they're little kids. Yeah. We should wait. We should reserve judgment. We should talk. We should find out what happened. We should be patient. I we mean, should assume if, the best. Right. And if there's no, I mean, I think especially like in instances where no, there are, there aren't really witnesses. Right. It's just the two in conflict. Right. Or something. And maybe even something happens by accident. But obviously the one that gets it wasn't hurt, perceived that way. Yeah. The one that gets hurt doesn't feel like it was on accident. Because right. <laughs> they got hurt. Right. Um, but yeah. So, yeah, there's a there's a way to handle mm-hmm. that, too. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do think. Um, yeah, I think mind your own business kind of covers it. 
Um, and yeah, it's worth it to say that if you if you're in a situation where maybe the hypothetical is the issues are arising because they don't discipline their children, um, I think that that's that's something you will have to navigate, of course. But I think you'd be surprised how often you patiently and diligently disciplining your child in the situation might cause them to be like, huh, or am I like, I notice, you know, even if everyone does discipline their kids, they just do it differently. They, it, you may be able to have a conversation at some point and be like, Hey, that person may say, Hey, I noticed that Mm -hmm. you do this. Like, why do you do it that way? You know, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So, um, I think we have a duty to number one, assume the best, yeah. Just always assume the best. Yeah. And start from we're you're talking about other families in your church and your community. I think you need to give the benefit of the doubt and assume the best. Um and not just assume, oh, they're not disciplining their child right. or oh, they're too intense or you know, like you don't you need if if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, I need to get the whole story here. Then get the whole story before jumping to conclusions. These are just basic ways that you love your neighbor. Right. But a lot of times, yeah, I think it's, yeah, or we can be like overly protective of our kids. So we might notice every little time that we may be like hypercritical of other people. Like, why didn't they discipline them? But we just don't, we don't catch everything. Yeah. As parents, you just don't catch everything. So sometimes, you know. It, there may be a very just honest explanation for things yeah. or I don't know. It's just, yep. But if you can, I mean, if you can maintain relationships and just mind your own business, I think that's a great. Yeah. Like as long as it doesn't, there's no issue that like escalates it to the point where you really can't mind your own business. Then sure. But you just should do that. Right. Like if you can, right. you should. If it's like, Oh, I think my friend's daughter is really whiny. Right. And I don't like how she deals with it. Right. That's really none of your business. Right. You know, you don't know. You don't know what she and her husband have going on at home, what they are discussing with their daughter. Right. You know, maybe you think she's the whiniest kid you've ever seen, but they have been working diligently with her for the last year and she's like 50% less whiny right. than she was. And they're, this is a slow sanctification and you just, you need to love them and be patient right. and assume the best in those situations. Um, and then, you know, if you don't agree with how someone is correcting their own child, the first question is, can I mind my own business? But number two, obviously, and I, we're obviously, I'm not talking about situations that are abusive, but if you think there's something abusive going on, that's a totally different topic right. that you can yeah, approach just, differently. Here, let, let this be an official statement from Sheologians. <laughs> Discipline and abuse... Not the are same. not the same thing. Sometimes we use those words interchangeably in our culture, but they are they do not mean the same thing. Yes, ever. And she was not emailing about abusive no, 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 situations, no. but I just want to be super clear. Um, and I do think that in general, what we want to do as parents is discipline our kids in private as much as possible. Unless it's a public sin. I think public sin should be corrected publicly. Right, right. Depending, right? right. And even Depending. if you, yeah, even if you do step away and then when you come back out before you rejoin the group, you make sure that 
repentance and, yeah. you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah. But, well, and here's my question. How many moms that are sitting publicly are going and repenting publicly? Maybe right. we start there. Yeah, I agree. You know, maybe that'd be a good place to start. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. oh, everyone at the grocery store saw me just lose freak out. my patience yep. with mm-hmm. my child. Yep. Are you going back and apologizing to everyone that witnessed it? You know, we have to demonstrate that first um, if we want our kids to be disciplined and Right. discipled well and you know you first as the parent like just you first yeah um and so approach your friends how you would want to be approached and approach the little children how you would want to be approached yeah think about them as they're just your little friends i mean right they are little you know right they're people well, and just, and depending on their age and if they're in the like, I know lots of young kids mm-hmm. that are Christians. Yeah, yeah. They're they've been baptized and they yep. believe. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. so they're your like they're not your peers, mm-hmm. but in Christ, they're your siblings. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like you know, because mm-hmm. I you know I do think that's mm-hmm. can be an issue sometimes. Like, you can I think there is sometimes there is favoritism mm-hmm. when it comes to kids like. Just like there is with adults, like, oh, I like that person better than I like that person. I like that kid better than I like that kid. Mm-hmm. And maybe your grace is not extended to one as much as it is the other. Right. Right. Which is not, you may, and you may pretend like it doesn't have mm-hmm. any actual outworking. Right. But it does. And enjoy the blessing of uh, raising your kids in a community of sisters that you trust. Because that is a huge blessing. If you're constantly around other believers and that's the context that you're getting to raise your kids in, um, you are blessed to have that. And, uh, you know, lean on each other for that. I think other Christian moms have just been trailblazers for me. I've learned so much from just watching and learning um, and talking to them. And then... um, you know, my husband and I have a plan for this is how we discipline our kids. This is how we talk to them about repentance and forgiveness and getting yeah. back into fellowship and um, have that ready and be on the same page with your husband. And I think that will really help a lot. Agreed. That's it. Yeah. Some of this is like, it really doesn't matter what we say. <laughs> Ask your husband. We're just giving you our opinion, but we're definitely not speaking over him. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nope. That was it. That was my last question that I brought. Cool. Um, you guys email a lot of questions. You guys ask, and I you know I try to get back to them, but man, I just keep them in my back pocket for possible topics one day. So for moments you know, like these, keep them coming. Um, again, you can leave us a voicemail four seven zero four six five zero four seven five. Did we tell them about? Did we tell them about book club? Yeah. Okay. We did. Great. We talked about book club. Okay. We did. Um, do we have anything else we need to tell them? I don't know. Did you have a feminist of the week? I don't have one this week. Oh, yeah. I could the, sh- I could share oh. that one. Do you want me to share that one I shared with you earlier? Sure. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, you guys. Okay. Um, so there's this girl. She writes about being a gay celibate Christian, which is obviously not a thing. Um, but there are people that want that to be a thing. Anyway, mm-hmm. this 
what really got me this week was that she said the quiet part out loud. Um, the part that it's like, yeah, we already knew that, but you're just saying it. Right. And I appreciate, here's what I want to say. I appreciate the honesty. Um, it's terrifying that right. this is where you're at, but this is honest. And she may have had a different point. This is honest. In sharing it, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> All right. Here's her tweet. They told me I must submit to a husband and give birth to his children. So I became a lesbian instead. And I was just like, man, that's it. That's it. And what's hilarious to me is that the all sexual insanity leads to confusion here. Two of the replies uh, point. Well, yeah, I mean, basically what she said is like, they told me I would not be free. So I chose freedom. But it's not, but, but it's really not free, (laughs) but it's like, I, they told me to do what God gave to me. They told me what God said to do. So I'm, and I chose slavery. (laughs) Here's one of the replies. I didn't know one could choose to become a lesbian. So great point. Is this, is this a choice? Is it something you can't help? Again, sexual con- response to rebellion, sexual hmm. confusion. You didn't want to be under anyone's authority. So you became a lesbian. Was that like authority related? It's confusion. Were you born this way? And then another reply, which I thought was hilarious. I don't know why all women don't do this and leave the men to fend for themselves until they die, slowly die off because most of them wouldn't be able to survive without women. Well, you guys that know that point? we depend on like men and women have to come together for there to be more people Do, like F- for there to be you <laughs> that had to happen. A man and a woman came together. Uh, uh, point of privilege <laughs> in order for you to even say or think any of what you just said or think <laughs> you first had to be created by a man and a woman coming together. <laughs> Just this, the confusion, the just outright rebellion. I just, it really, it is sad, but it's like, here's where we're at as a society. And I think, I think the, I think Michael Foster said this when we had him on the show was that all, all it takes like nowadays to really say something that people think is deep and profound is stating the obvious. Right. Because so much of what is said is so insane Mm -hmm. that just being able to state the obvious grants you the title of being like brave. Right. Because we are so committed to moral and sexual confusion and perversion that saying no, a man and a woman have to come together for humanity to exist is is a stand like that's a stand that people take and that's it's it's laughable it's sad it port it it points to like incredible moral decay well and just like mass shared delusion right that like children are being born anyway other than the two components (laughs) coming together (laughs) And creating, like, a fertilized egg. But even if you're inside of that so-called community, like the guy, like the comment said, I didn't know one could choose to become a lesbian. You're going to say things that are going to go against 
whatever the narrative is because it's such a mess. Oh yeah. The whole thing is such a mess. That's, I mean, when you, when you decide that, how many people do we have now? Seven billion? I think so. Yeah. When you decide that 7 billion people all have a different version of what's real and true and you have to like respect and honor that. Right. Then you're committing yourself to right. confusion. You're committing yourself to anti-knowledge. Like I yeah. can't, I can't know anything because, or really stand by anything. I can't have any personal principles because someone might feel differently than I do. And I might right. feel differently than them. And right. Like who do I honor right. above anyone else and what it just what an incredible sentiment though they told me i had to marry a man and have his children so i'm only going to be with women is just right. an incredible well an, honest uh insert that insert anything in the end like yeah like <laughs> they told me to submit to a man and have his children so i became bitter Right. Like just mm -hmm. insert. So I um, decided to reject the institution of marriage and right. sleep around. Right. So I decided to have an abortion. So, so I pursued I, my career. Right. It's like because you were told to do something, you had to do the opposite. That's literally the definition of. Right. Of, well, and because you didn't want to submit to authority and you didn't want to like fall mm -hmm. under the prescribed roles mm -hmm. that you were given the very natural normal mm -hmm. uh biology even yeah you were you view that as such like mm -hmm. a tax on your freedom mm -hmm. that you just like couldn't do the natural and the normal right because you hate like you hate it so much right Feminist and here we week. are. Feminists of the week. Here we are. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to, like, if we had to, if, if you didn't have anything, I was going to say, you know, that, that there was that article that was going around that was like gun violence, um, what? count, like the, the amount of gun violence deaths is greater than the amount of I saw that. like yes. like loss of life in US wars but then they don't count the two world wars that we were in the world war 1 where 17 million people died i mean not they weren't just all US soldiers obviously it's but, so embarrassing but you want to hear what i instantly thought of what? when i saw oh, no. the full headline i was like what? I was like, well, these are the kind of statistics we should expect when we asked women to, to join the math and science field. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm oh. just kidding. I do think women can be good at math and science, but I just, I don't know. It's I just so instantly was like, it's so embarrassing. I was like, well, what else should we expect? <laughs> it's just embarrassing. <laughs> Ladies find yourself a funny man that loves Jesus <laughs> have his children <laughs> you'll be fine you'll be fine all right you can leave us a voicemail 470-465-0475 was that the right number it sounded right okay we'll see y'all next week 465-0475 yeah that's right okay mm -hmm. I was like did I just give my phone number <laughs> We were gonna have to I don't remember out. my phone number. So, <laughs> you so won't I accidentally give it. that phone nope. number. It's gone. <laughs> See y'all next week. Bye. <laughs>